Today's episode of the Andy Staples Show is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Hey, it's Andy. Thank you so much for stopping by. We have a great show for you today. Dwayne Davis, star of the program, star of Necessary Roughness. He's also in Under Siege. He was on 21 Jump Street with Johnny Depp. He comes in to tell us stories from the sets of some of your favorite iconic college football movies. He also has a little bit of college football experience himself. He played at Missouri. And I think you want to stick around to the end because he has great perspective on being the parent of a very good college football player. His son, Wyatt, is one of the best offensive linemen in the country. He plays for Ohio State. He was a five-star recruit. And Dwayne has a lot to say about the process of parenting a five-star recruit through their recruitment and what it's like to have a son playing at Ohio State. So give it a listen. I guess we should start with your history. Your dad was a, was a great football player, an NFL player. You went on to play at Missouri. How, how did your football career at Missouri go? You know, it went, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I think about how much, in some sense, my, my career at Missouri kind of mirrored what happened uh, to the character of the program. I think I, I, blew out my ACL my my first year at Missouri and then blew it out after the fourth game, I believe, my senior year. So it was it was one of those things every time I get things going and all of a sudden something would happen. So, you know, probably didn't you know, I didn't achieve the expectations or goals I had set for myself. So you know, the experience was awesome and a lot of great people. So what was the plan after college originally? And, and what you, what'd you get your degree in? Got my degree in management. And um, what the plan was initially, I kind of had always joked with my roommate and stuff, when, you know, when I'm done with school, I'm going to go back and I'm going to try to be an actor. So uh, when when I was done at Missouri, I came home, and then at first I worked for my My father actually started a broadcasting company about 40 years ago, and uh, he has radio stations. And, uh, so, and at the time, he also had a beer distributorship. Oh, wow. So I went, That's like the ultimate post-football yeah, life yeah. right there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So... Um, went back and uh, was working in the beer distributorship as well as in radio, kind of getting a, a, a view into both worlds. And at the same time at night, I was going to acting class. And, um, you know, 
how things go. You get an agent. I started going out and auditions, and there started to be that little conflict of, you know, you get a job here and a job there. And, you know, my father said to me, hey, man, you need to make a decision. So, you know, you can either stick with me in in the beer and radio or, you know, uh, pursue your acting thing. And, you know, I decided at the time to pursue the acting thing. Well, and, and you did pretty well, right? I mean, you were in head of the class. You were in summer school. You were on an episode of A Different World. <laughs> I mean, you're in Beetlejuice. Yeah, I was. I was the. I was the bully or the football player in every eighty sitcom that was going on, you know. And I was school guys too, so that was even funnier. So um, it kind of started with that, and and then um, you know things started rolling, and I was able to. You know, I, I was an actor probably straight through for about 17, 18 years. Well, so, because and, and, I, I think people would assume, oh, you got into acting because of the football thing and, and because you, it, it translated to, to necessary roughness, but you had been a working actor for, for five or six years at that point. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, it's kind of, you know, I think sometimes, you know, the athletics helps you at least in, you know, you know, you got to put in work and you want to be prepared. So, you know, I had some friends that were actors. The thing that they told me was, hey, man, if you're going to do this thing, you probably should take some acting classes because, you know, there's a technique and there's things you need to do. And that was probably some of the greatest advice, you know, even learning how to audition, all that type of stuff, you know. And so, you know, I probably studied two to three years before I even went out on my first audition. So, you know, I, I, I get some training. So when when you find out there there's some football movies coming up, that Necessary Roughness was was your first actual football movie. How how bad do you want that part? Oh, it, it was unbelievable. I mean, I, I can remember going in on that thing and saying to myself, man, I, I, I really, really want to get this part. And, um, you know, when I got it, I, I, I was just ecstatic. And it was so much fun doing that movie as well. Necessary roughness was a blast. Well, so I, I, we'll get into how serious the program was in terms of, of filming, because I, I, I've interviewed Mark Ellis, the football coordinator, for that movie before. And he's told me about your training camps and, and all that. It seemed necessary roughness seems like it was a little bit different vibe on set. Because it was a comedy and, you know, uh, though there were a lot of football players that, that worked on, um, cause we filmed that at the university of North tech. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of guys that, played football plus even some of the guys that had just finished at the university of north texas were providing background guys and so you know there was that camaraderie and kind of that that thing but it wasn't the ball aspect of it probably wasn't taken quite as serious as as the program and 
you know, the, the one thing I'll never forget was that was the first time I ever pulled a hamstring. Oh, no. Well, you're, <laughs> so, well, you're a linebacker playing next, receiver. You know, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was a tight end at Missouri, and probably a lot of my former teammates would say, yeah, that, that was perfect casting. Um, as best because so. he couldn't catch, so yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, it, it was it was a blast, and it was really fun hanging in Dallas. That whole thing was just a blast. When I think about about uh, necessary roughness, it, it was a blast. So I read somewhere that that Michael Irvin was supposed to double for you in that movie. There was when I. When I pulled my hamstring, um, initially they had a guy that um, was doubling me, and he, I believe, had just got he just signed a contract to go play in Canada. So there was a problem. There was going to be some overlap on um, uh the season starting for him in Canada and then him not being able to, to possibly double me because I pulled my hamstring. So he was really good friends with Michael Irvin. And he had talked about the fact, man, I should probably, I should probably talk to Michael Irvin because he'd be the perfect double for you. because They're about the same size. And it was kind of funny. It never, actually had to materialize because I was able to do it, but that, that was the plan he wanted to have. Well, and, and it's funny because the joke is that Featherstone would have been the best receiver in college football if he could catch because he was, he was huge and fast. And Right. Yeah. I just so who who was the funniest person on that set? Because you, you had you had Sinbad, now you, you had Jason Bateman, then Robert Loggia and Scott Bakula weren't necessarily comic actors, but they were funny in that movie. Who who, who just cracked you up the whole time on that set? Sinbad was hilarious, and and so was Jason Bateman. And you know that was such an interesting role, Jason, because you know that kind of was his kind of resurgence. Yeah, he he carried know, a sitcom by a- himself and then kind of disappeared. And then came back. Exactly. Exactly. He was hilarious. And you know what? I'll tell you what was really funny about Necessary Rutgers versus the program. There were probably more. I think the actors on Necessary Rutgers probably were more in football than the actors in the program. Having read uh, the oral history that my friend Jake, po- Jake Trotter at ESPN did of the program, I kind of believe that because you had some very serious actors on the program. And now, now there was overlap though, because the guy who played Latimer on the program was was on the necessary was on the necessary roughness cast as well, right? A- absolutely, but see, I don't believe Andy ever played football. He was a bodybuilder, right? Yeah. He was a pretty big time bodybuilder too, so so he was a bodybuilder. Because one thing I'll never forget about the program, I mean about uh, yeah the program, was I watched the Super Bowl with our crew versus any of the actors. Mm-hmm. 
because none of the actors were really interested in the Super right. Bowl. That's, that was kind of the interesting thing. I was like, man, this is really kind of interesting that nobody on this film is really into football. But yet, Unnecessary roughness. The actors on that, for the most part, were pretty into football. That that is just amazing to me. How and I I've always loved those scenes. The like the the scene where the football gets stuck in your face mask, and and everybody but Bacula got those Crawlite plastic face masks, which I had to suffer through one year in high school. <laughs> um, did, did did you guys complain about those things? <laughs> You know, it, it was it was so interesting because that thing with the the, the uh, football and the face mask, it it was so interesting because when I kind of looked at that, that actually could happen. Oh, with Open with those face masks, face. yeah. You know, and uh, I just yeah that 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 was fun. That was funny. So, did did anybody ever tell Bacula to change up his cadence? Because the defense is going <laughs> to jump the snap every single time. You know what? No. Now that is no, no, no. It it was interesting. And now, see that that's another one. Now, see, I don't think Scott had ever played football either. I did. I just always found that hilarious because I I was. So I was in eighth grade when the movie came out and, and probably watched it over and over through high school. And so I'm playing football in high school and I was an offensive lineman. I'm like, how is he never changing up the cadence? <laughs> Every defensive end is yeah. going to time him up. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. The, the attention to detail and necessary roughness was not, you know, the same as it was in the program. So there, there were quite a few things. Where you know you sit there and you kind—I of, kind of laugh at it now, but you know it, it was a fun movie versus the serious approach they wanted to take with the program. What, what was Robert Loja like on that set? Because I mean, this is a guy who's not necessarily known as a comic actor, but clearly has the chops to do whatever the hell he wants. You, you know. When I think about that movie, that's another thing. You know, it was so interesting because, you know, Robert Loja, he comes in and he's got this huge resume. And, you know, I believe, too, he had won the Oscar, too, you know, maybe a couple um, years prior to that movie. So you got him coming in. You know, he's a pretty serious guy. You know, for me, he'll always be Frank Lopez from Scarface. Absolutely. So I'm, 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 I'm sitting there looking at him going, man, I'm, I'm really working with Robert Logan. At first, he was very, you know, um, to himself. You know, I'm not going to say he wasn't friendly, but, you know, he was very to himself, kind of, you know, had a, more of a his approach to it. And I just remember talking to him one day, and he looked at me and said, hey, I understand that um, you actually played football in college. I said, yeah. He said, where'd you go to school? I said, well, I went to Missouri. Ended up, he went to Missouri, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so that broke the ice, and from that point on, you know, it was awesome. He was, he was a great man, and, uh, you know, really miss him. He, he, he was a great man. So you had, you must have been nonstop working through 90, 91, 92, because 
before or between Necessary Roughness and the program getting released, you're in three of, of Teenage Andy's favorite movies. You're in Universal Soldier, <laughs> Digstown, and Under yeah. Siege. It, it's interesting because I feel like I saw you all of your movies in the same theater, and by that I mean the one that didn't the one that didn't check IDs because I was 14 and wanted to go to right. R-rated movies. Right. So, right. so what? What? Now, what was your what was your role on Under Siege? Under Siege. So, I was one of that group that um, Steven Seagal gets to uh, retake the show. Oh, okay. So remember, yes, they, they, they freed all those guys. So I was one of the guys in the original script. It was just going to be uh, like three or four characters that retook the ship. There was the Erica Maniac character, Chief Gaul, of course, and there was going to be the role of when he was thrown in the brig, when uh, Steven Seagal was thrown in the brig and there was one of the guys that was guarding him, that was going to be one of the bigger roles. That's original the role that I read for and get cast. What ended up happening though, was it ended up picking that character and breaking three or four other characters. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, though I was one of the guys that's involved in retaking the ship, I also got killed. Uh, so well, listen, you know, listen, there, there's so. a lot of sacrifice involved when you're fighting against Gary Busey, Tommy Lee Jones, and that guy who played, and you probably know his name, but that guy who played the number two henchman to every terrorist in every movie in the early 90s. So, <laughs> Yes, exactly, exactly. You know, and that was another movie where, you know, I, um, Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey both made their resurgence back in that movie yeah i don't because that the fugitive doesn't happen if under siege doesn't happen yeah i mean that that movie was huge and i will never forget because that was like four months of my life in mobile alabama oh were you on the boat in mobile the 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 one that just sits out there yeah wow the uss alabama yeah we were there for four months in in mobile alabama and you know, it was, you know, you look at some movies, some that you work on, and you're saying, man, this is going to be huge. This is going to be great. And then there's other movies where you're going, oof, boy, you know, this is going to be an interesting one. And, I mean, there were great people working on the movie, but I, I was blown away how successful um, Under Siege ended up being, especially for you know, guys like Tommy Jones and, you know, Gary Busey, it, it, it was huge. I, I realize it, it only got greenlit because someone uttered the phrase die hard on a boat, but I am really, really glad it did because that, that's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was fun too. Well, but so you, four months. You, wow. Believe wow. So, okay. So what's the timing like in between? So you do, you spend four months in mobile on under siege how soon after are you in Columbia, South Carolina for the program? Now, see, I'm trying to think of the timing of that. Now, see, 
I can't remember because I can tell you another one of my most memorable moments from the undersea was discovering Krispy Kreme donuts. Wow. Well, we, we definitely need to talk about this. Oh, yeah. That was just unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. I'll, I'll never forget that. Um, man, it had to be a couple years, though. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's where – because release dates don't necessarily coincide with when things are – are filmed because yeah, yeah. necessary or excuse me, the program I know you filmed in the fall of, of 1992 because that's, you had to film the scenes during the South Carolina, Tennessee halftime to get the game footage. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's, it's funny cause we, we're doing a series of where we, we review college football movies. And last week we did Rudy, which all the game scenes from Rudy were filmed during the halftime of the Notre Dame-Boston College game in 92, that same year in Columbia, you guys were filming the program at the Tennessee-South Carolina game. Wow. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, that, that probably is true. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's talk about the program. How, how do you find out about it? How do you, how do you get yourself cast? How, how does that work? Okay, so this, this is kind of an interesting story, and I'll try to make it as brief as possible. But So, you know, I, I get a – call from my agent there's this movie they're doing the program and you know um I'll send you the stuff for it and i'm like okay you know um, definitely let me take a look at it well it was one of those things too now all my buddies other actors are calling me hey man have you seen this movie they're doing the program you know i just got the script blah 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 so i'm like wow okay so and i mean especially with alvin mac i knew i knew who Alvin Mack was right off the bat. And I was like, oh, man, I, I, I got to get yeah. this part. You, you so, hadn't lived his life story, obviously, because you didn't come from poverty, but I'm sure you played with plenty of guys who did. Absolutely. And even going to Missouri, even though, you know, it, it was, and especially, too, back when I played at Missouri, we were a, we were a big eight school. So now I'm myself, but we were a big eight school. And... You know, though, you know, a lot of guys from St. From Louis or, uh, you know, um, Kansas City, you know, a lot of guys were from the rural areas outside of, you know, St. Louis oh, and absolutely. Kansas City. So, you, you know, you, you, I really played, especially growing up in Los Angeles, you know, if, if there was somewhat of a cultural shock when I first moved there. So... You know, getting back to it, I you know I get it, and I knew well the back is. I'm like, oh man, I just I hope I nail this this, this part. So, you know, I go in, and I meet with the casting director, and the casting director said, hey man, you know, after I raised, you were perfect for this. When I bring you back for the director, do it exactly the same way, and I was like, oh, okay, well, great. So, come back couple weeks later read for the director and he's like hey man you nailed this blah 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 and i'm like okay great i leave my agent called you said, hey when you did a great job they, they really like it I'm going, oh man awesome so you know the the one bad thing about being an actor sometimes it's the roles you really want that you never get so you know Time goes by, and it was still pretty good feedback. My agent calls me and says, hey, Dwayne, 
yeah, you're about to get the offer, blah, 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 congratulations. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is awesome. So a couple weeks go by, and, you know, because of necessary roughness, I had met um, Andy, the guy who played ladder. Mm-hmm. And so he called me. He said, hey, man, um, when are you leaving? Because we had been talking. He goes, when are you leaving? I go, oh. I don't know why. When did they have you leave? He goes, man, I'm leaving next week. I go, next week? He goes, yeah, because we have a football camp for for a few weeks, and, you know, they got me going out next week. I said, oh, okay, well, I haven't heard anything. Let me let me call my agent and, and see. So I call my agent, and I said, hey, uh, I was talking to my friend, Andy. he said he's leaving next week. When am I leaving? And there's this long pause. And she goes, oh, yeah, that didn't work out. Anyway, I got you going out on this. this. Oh, oh, no. Wait a minute. Yeah, I go, what What do you mean? She said, oh, you know, well, apparently some people at Disney wanted somebody else. But, you know, I got you going out on this. I go, wait a minute. What happened? She goes, you know what? Apparently somebody at Disney wanted somebody else. And you didn't get it. So I'm like, wow. You know, I mean, you talk about buzzkill. I mean, I, I, I was just going through it because I couldn't believe it. And a couple weeks go, you know, Andy ends up leaving. A couple weeks go by. And I'm at home one day, and the phone rings. And it's Alan Graff, the guy, the, you know, one of the technical right. advisors. Right. He called me. He said, Dwayne, what, what are you doing? Uh, you know, what are you doing right now? I said, you know, man, I'm just, you know, back out auditioning. He goes, hey, man, I really want you to do this movie. I got a, you know, we've casted a guy. He's been here for two weeks. But, you know, I don't believe this guy is believed as, as Alvin Mack. I said, oh, okay. He said, so stick around because I'm talking to the director today and we're going to have a long talk. And I said, okay. So the next day he called, um, he calls me and said, Hey, Glenn, they want you to leave tomorrow. Wow. You, you got role. Yeah. And you know, I felt sorry for the guy because whoever they initially casted, he, he practiced. He did those practices for two weeks. Oh. But I guess he had never played football before. And I guess, you know, football is a tough game. If you, as you know, if you've never played it, it it's kind of hard to fake. Oh, yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't look right. And the, world. and the other thing that I don't know that people realize is that was the first time that someone making a football movie had used NFL films, camera people. So they were, they were going for ultra realism. So if you didn't, Absolutely. if you didn't look right, it wasn't going to work. Absolutely. Now, technically it was, they used the same crew in uh, the same NFL films guys in necessary roughness too. Well, that, that explains the shot of Featherstone catching that ball at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. 
because that was the first time I had actually worked with them. Yeah, it, it, and it makes a huge difference. I, I, will, I will tell you, cause, so when we saw the program, I was a, a sophomore in high school. Um, I, I had just been called up from, from JV to varsity, and I remember we badgered one of the guys who had a driver's license to take us we, we, for all of us to go to see the movie after practice one Thursday. And we, we were watching the scene, the, the practice montage, Welcome to the Jungle, where you guys play Bull in the Ring, you play Oklahoma, all the stuff that we were doing at practice. And it was, I mean, we were just cheering in the theater. That's how realistic it was. Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you, it, it was really realistic. And, you know, I, I felt so sorry for that guy Another thing on the program, most of those guys had either just stopped playing at um, uh, USC or University of South Carolina, right. or or um, they had just so the guys looked different. And yeah, these were real football players. Know, yeah, real football players, and and you know the the one story I will never forget that happened was um the the first day of shooting like um football stuff we did that bull in the ring and because i played football the director really wanted me to do most of the stuff that album was doing and it, it was a trip because <laughs> when we were doing that machine gun with james Conn, it's like you know you know, that guys to come at me. Yeah. When I'm in that bull in the ring, I mean, these guys were coming, and it was like they were, I seemed like I was doing that for 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, I was like, my God, you know, this thing is, is tough. I mean, I was 31 in the program, and, and I can remember saying to myself, Man, this is the part about football I do not miss. Well, that that's you know? that's the part that I don't think people understand is y'all were filming for like twelve hours a day. No, no actual football player oh, would have to yeah. do that. You you would practice for two hours and go home. You guys were going for twelve. Yeah, and and you know, you know, the one reason they chose South Carolina was supposedly it's always warm and it never snows and never cold. It was freezing. Of course. You know, and, <laughs> oh, yeah. So it was so cool. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget one of the first big scenes I had football-wise was when I'm talking to that uh, running back from – Oh, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, so first take and everything. So I'm stand. And they had those guys set up because we, we did it all at once. You know, they did all the cut-ups afterwards. So that first scene, you know, they're filming, and I'm sitting there and I'm talking to the running back, but I'm also looking at the eyes of the fullback. And this guy had literally just gotten cut. Oh, no. One from, the, was, from an NFL Was, was he cracking up as you <laughs> talked? No. No. Oh, no. As a, as a matter of fact, I'm speaking to the fullback. I mean, I'm talking to the running back, but I'm looking at the fullback, and he's in his stance. This was the guy that just got cut. 
He's in his hand, and he is hand shaking. His eyes are like saucers. And just from playing, I'm looking at him going, oh, my God, this is real. Yeah, he, <laughs> this is this guy is for real. Oh yeah, he's gonna try to kill somebody. <laughs> oh yeah, so boom, we do that first collision, and I mean, I, I remember metacarpal in my hand. I read, um, I always had pinched nerves, so you know, I had that sting. The first play, and I'm like looking at this guy, and you know, male ego too. So I'm like, oh man, okay, whew. And, you know, movies being what they are, they say, okay, let's do it again. Oh, man. I'm looking at him again. Eyes like saucers. Bam. We hit time. And I'm like, man, this guy's going to be bringing it like this every time. So in between the third take, I walk up to the fullback. I go, yeah, man, check this out. Alvin Mack is supposed to be an all-American. I go, and this is a movie. We could do this over and over. We could be here all day doing this. I know you don't want to have this collision all day, do you? And he looked at me and he said, oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. And I was like, thank goodness. <laughs> because this guy, this guy was bringing it every play. So I, uh, I just got a text from, uh, from Mark Ellis, who, who worked on that movie with you. And he, he says hi, but he also says, I need to ask you about digging a hole in the middle of the field at williams Bryce Stadium at South Carolina about 3 a.m. to hide a prosthetic <laughs> leg. Now, what's that all about? Yeah. So, do you remember, you know, when Alvin Mack gets hurt? Yeah, the, the, the scene is horrific. Like, the leg looks like it's bent 18 different ways. So, so here's the so. You know, when we're going over the scene, you know, I had done the bulk of my stuff. But I say, you know, I told the director, I said, hey, man, this is how I blew my knee out in college for real. I know this is the one thing I I really don't want to do because I don't, I couldn't see how you could do that and not get hurt. Well, yeah, because you actually got hurt that way. So two of the stunt guys that did it, blew out his ACL. Oh. Yeah, that so that whole thing is, you know, to make the the leg look broken. They dug a hole, stuck my leg down the hole, and then attached the prosthetic to my knee. So it made it look broken. <laughs> wow. And it, it worked because it looks <laughs> disgusting on the in the movie. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. wow. So uh, the uh, one other scene I wanted to ask you about is is the pregame you and Andy the the spitting into each other's mouth scene, which unfortunately has been recreated in a lot of locker rooms across the country. That <laughs> that didn't actually happen. There there was no actual spit traded, right? No way. If it had, my bench probably would have gone up three hundred pounds with Andy spitting in my mouth. But <laughs> no way. No no way. Either of us would have volunteered. At least not me. You know, uh, that that was the Christian. And I'm going to tell you, um, Andar, who was one of the um, advisors as well, was also one of the background football players. His brother was DeMarco. Farr, oh, yeah. Who, who plays the Rams. And Andre Farr went to UCLA. And 
he was the one who gave a lot of the, the you know, some, some stuff for the movie. And because um, I was saying to the director, I said, hey, you know, I don't see two guys doing that. Spitting in each other's mouths? No way. No, we were, and Andre said, hey, man, this happened at UCLA when he was. Wow. I said, you guys spitting each other's mouth like that. He said, yeah. I'm like, wow. Okay. But how that thing came be. That is insane. The other one I want to, I, I meant to ask you about, I watched this yesterday because I, I saw it in the theater when, when the movie came out. So I saw the version that was released originally before it got pulled. And so I rewatched the scene because it's on YouTube where everybody lies down in the street and the dumb kids in real life were trying to copy it. And I did not remember Alvin Mack being in that scene because I didn't think, I think in my mind, I thought the character Alvin Mack wouldn't be doing that. Like it would make sense for Joe Kane to do it. It would make sense for Darnell Jefferson to do it because he's the new guy. He's trying to impress his new teammates. Alvin Mack wouldn't have been anywhere near that. But and then I read that that you said you had actually told the director, "Hey, Alvin Mack wouldn't be here." Exactly, and 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 you know, one thing I loved about David Ward was he would let you bore opinion, but he, you know, that was the one where he just said, "Dwayne, you know, him in the scene, I want him doing it." Because, like you said, my whole argument: this guy is putting his whole his whole career into this thing. There's no way he's going to put himself in peril like this, you know, cause I will tell you, it was even kind of, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that I was absolutely comfortable when we did it. Oh yeah. Cause the, the drivers because, knew you were there and, but still. Yeah, absolutely. So there were stunt drivers, but still, you know, accidents can happen. And I'll tell you the most surreal thing that I will never forget was. So after after we do the program, after the program, I was actually working on a movie called um, Little Big League. Oh, yeah. Um, Watch that one, too, in high school. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. We're in Minneapolis, and the program, uh, the program was released. Um, at the time, I was in Minneapolis filming Little Big League, and ended up going, you know, went out with some, some of the other actors on Little Big League. We were coming out of a bar, and I look in the street, and there were kids laying out in the middle, and cars were going by. Ugh. I'll never forget. It's, it's, it is crazy. So I, I actually wrote for, for Sports Illustrated for 11 years. I, I'm hoping nobody ever read one of my stories in the middle of a street. That's... That's because I, it's funny you actually think about that because of that scene, like sitting there reading Sports Illustrated in the middle of the street and having written a bunch of those college football preview issues that it, 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 was, it was very weird. So, uh, but I, I'm just, so now you, you kept acting up through what, about 2010? What, what are you up to these days? You know what? I'm I'm running this broadcast, my father's broadcast. Oh, very nice. So you Our did family. get into the family business eventually. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, in two, I think it was 2000, um, my father approached me and just said, hey, you know, what are you going to do? Because you know, if, if you're not really interested 
in the family business. Maybe I need to, you know, think about doing some other things. So, you know, at the time I had kids, you know, and every movie I was being offered at the time, I mean, it was that time in Hollywood where a lot of stuff was being shot, like, in um, Bulgaria and India. Everything I was being offered was, you know, really out of the country. And my grad and age, too, where, you know, I didn't really want to take them traveling like that. You know, um, I said, you know what, from a security place, just in, you know, making sure, you know, I had kids and everything. You know, I said, let, let me really take a look at getting back into the family business. And that's when I just chose to, you know, kind of be a dad. And, a, you know, I ended up coaching football, in, you know, high school football and, uh, you know, being a dad. And it was, you know, a, a great decision because, you know, I, I really did get the opportunity to spend a lot of time with I have boys, and uh, it gave me the opportunity to spend, you know, a lot of time. You know, my oldest, I got to coach him through Pop Warner in high school, and uh, he ended up playing at at Cal Berkeley. And then, uh, you know, obviously Wyatt, you know, I got a chance to kind of follow his career. Although, you know, I did not coach Wyatt. When Wyatt chose to go, he decided not to go to the local high school. He decided to. He went to, Bo- to Bosco, to right? Bosco. Yeah, 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 and so ended my coaching career. <laughs> so I could watch him. Well, I mean, so what was that like? Because you know, you were a very good football player in high school, obviously, and and had you know multiple scholarship offers. Wyatt was a a five star recruit with everybody in the country after him. What what was that like? You know, it's funny because I was. Why? Because why it's home now, you know, which is such a weird deal. But, um, you know, it, it was it was interesting because, you know, why it chose to go to Bosco. You know, I told him, I said, no, nah, hey, man, because he was a basketball player, too. So he was one of those AA kids that had played basketball. And I think when I got into eighth grade, he kind of figured out, you know, I'm, you know, he was probably about 5'11", yet at the time was playing against kids that were already 6'6". Yeah. And 6'8". Yep. You know, he was starting to figure out that basketball may not be the ticket. So when he decided to go to Bosco to play basketball and football, you know, I said, hey, man, you're going to a big-time football school. I said, this isn't going to be like anything, you know, I said, you know, there might be a chance you go there and you don't see the field. And he goes, you know, you know, I said, you're not going to be the biggest guy. You're not going to be the strongest guy. And a lot of these guys have played football a long time. Why don't we got to play a year or two mm-hmm. of Pop Warner football? And he said, you know, I, I realize that dad doesn't want to go there. So, boom, I sent him there. And, of course, his freshman year, he was the biggest dude on the pressure. <laughs> so, you know, that's how things go. But I, I – I, when I knew, it was kind of an interesting thing. He started as a sophomore um, in high school at Bosco. And I will never forget at the end of the season, because it, it was really that time to anywhere. Recruiting was a big deal, but then I took this huge jump where when social media entered everything, Absolutely. things just got nuts. You know, 
So I'll never forget after his sophomore year, last game of the season, they lose Corona Centennial in the championship. You know, a couple days after, he looks at me and he goes, hey, Dad, do you think I'm going to get recruited at all? I I will never forget that. Because there was this expectation because he started as a sophomore at Bosco that he would get an offer. And I said, you know what, man? You know, at some point, yeah, you know, but I said, you are just a sophomore. So, you know, you're probably not going to get any kind of interest until, you know, you're a junior or a senior. Yeah. And and, and then spring practice came and the offers started pouring in, right? Literally, Andy, two weeks after I said that, I was on a business trip in Orlando and... Mike calls me, and I'm at this dinner, and I said, oh, excuse me. I said, hey, uh, what's up, Wyatt? And he goes, I think I'm about to get my first offer. I go, what? He goes, yeah, I think I'm about to get an offer. I said, you're going to get this offer from? And he goes, Alabama. (laughs) I go, wait wait a minute. The University of Alabama? (laughs) Wait a minute, Dad. Let, let me make sure. So he gets off the. Was, phone. It, was Mario Cristobal still coaching O line at Alabama at the time? Yeah. Okay, yeah, because he was exactly. he was big into California. Exactly. He just gotten Jonah Williams out of California, so that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, you know, he hits me back. He goes, "Dad, yeah, I'm going to get an offer from Alabama," and I'm sitting here saying to myself, "How does a sophomore get an offer?" his first offer from Alabama. So I still really didn't believe it. And all of a sudden his coach called me and said, Hey, why just got offered from Alabama? And I was like, wow. And from that point it got nuts. Well, and so he winds up picking Ohio state. What was that like for, for you as a dad? He's headed back to the Midwest where, where you were originally, right? Because your dad played at Green for, for Green Bay, right? Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I was actually born in Cleveland because uh, my father's first two years in the NFL were with the Cleveland Browns. And so that's where I was born. And my mother basically raised in um, – in Cincinnati. So a lot of, to this day, still have a lot of family in Cincinnati and in Cleveland. And, you know, when, when, and even that was kind of crazy because, you know, um, we were doing a bunch of uh, unofficial visits and it was going to be the last round. And I said to what I said, Hey man, you know, we're getting ready to, you know, do go to Notre Dame. We're going to Michigan there was another school in the Midwest too. I can't remember at the time, but I said, Hey, is there any other place you'd like to see or is there an offer you could get that would change anything, everything? And he goes, well, yeah, that it's still the same thing. I said, what's that? He goes, Ohio state. I said, Hey, why Ohio state really doesn't come out to California, you know, recruit they, cause they don't have to. A lot of great linemen come out of the West. And he said, well, that's, you know, that would change everything. I said, okay. So I called Jason Nabro, his high school coach, said, hey, 
you know, Jason, could you call Ohio State and see if there's any interest? We're going to go out to the Midwest and visit some schools and, um, you know, see if they'd be interested in him stopping by. And he called, and that's the whole Ohio State thing got started. Wow. So they, they weren't weren't in on him at all. But I imagine when, when the coach at a, at a school like Bosco calls and says, hey, I've got a guy who's he's been offered by Alabama, he's been offered by everybody on the West Coast, he's been offered by other schools in the Big Ten, I imagine that perks their ears up and, and they say, okay, well, yes, by all means, come on in, right? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, it was, and that's when I even learned a lot about recruiting. Because even when I was coaching high school, I was kind of our recruiting coordinator. And the, at the high school that I coached at, you know, if we had a guy that was a 4-3, typically that was his GPA. Right. <laughs> you know, so, so you know, it, it was one of those things where, in all seriousness, a lot of our kids would go IE that came out of our school. Yeah. And, and, you know. Which is a totally different so kind really of recruiting. Have, yeah. We didn't have that huge national recruit. And to tell you what's even kind of crazy is, I grew up with a guy by the name of Andy Bark. You know, Andy Bark is the one that really started the – he started the football training camps. He started the, the opening, the Elite Seven, all that stuff. He, he started. So I was helping those camps back when they first started. And – it was just interesting watching this whole recruiting thing just explode. I, I, I'm, I'm just blown away by and it. And then you got to live in the middle of it. Now, what, what's it been like uh, w- with Wyatt at Ohio State? How much fun has it been to watch him you know, develop and grow into a starter, and now, now he comes back as a, as a leader on, on this team? You know, it's been I think probably my proudest moment with why I had been watching him kind of face the adversity and, and how he handled it. You know, um, in some ways I want to say he may have handled it much better than, than I, because, you know, as you know, cause you cover it, you know, you, especially with these kids that are the five star recruits, you know, there's so much expectation. Um, about what's going to happen with them. And, you know, every school in the country is telling you you're going to start as a true freshman, you know. So, though I, you know, you know, I was always telling like, you know, be careful. I, I really tried to manage the expectation. Yeah. And, you know, his first, you know, the first year he gets redshirted, and that, that was very tough for him. And then the second year, you know, he was, you know, pretty much had a couple special packages for him where he'd come in. But, you know, mainly, um, you know, his redshirt freshman year, you know, uh, he was on extra point, you right. know. And had it not been for, you know, an injury to the kid that uh, was ahead of him, his, his redshirt freshman year, you know, the last game where he probably would have even snaps at uh, guard was probably the fourth game of the season, uh, you know, when they played Tulane. Right. So, goes through the rest of that season, the kid gets hurt against Michigan, and from that point, he, he you know, he was a starter, but 
you know, it, it was a tough year for him mentally to, to go through, you know, um, being this guy that was anointed. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you're not playing. Well, that, that's what amazes me about Ohio State's program is they have gotten very good at getting these guys who are maybe the best at their position in the country in high school, or at least the best at their position in the state they're coming from. And they do sit for two years sometimes before they get to play. And that they, they, they managed to do this without a ton of transfers. They seem to, you know, for some re- for some reason they can get those guys to understand, Hey, better things are coming if you put in the work, but it, it seems like they're pretty unique on that front. Most programs can't, can't do that. Yeah. You know, I, I think you're right. They, you know, it's, it's one of those things I could go on and on. You ever do a show and you want to get a parent perspective on the transport portal, call me back. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, that's all you hear is from the coach is like, look some parent perspective on that. But, you know, I, I would say to you that, it was it was really tough, and again, if it wasn't for a good friend of mine to kind of break everything down, because you know, you know, when you're when you're a parent of a college, for the most part, you got to be a dad, you got to be a psychologist, a life coach, because they're going to go through things, and because there was so much anticipation for what, and he didn't meet those initial early expectations. You know, there were even writers out here in L.A. that were saying, is Wyatt Davis a bust? Because he didn't start as a redshirt freshman. That's crazy. Yeah. At Ohio exactly. State. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and, that, and I'm talking to even a couple of these guys that that write for, you know, like 24-7. And write, they're talking about, is Wyatt Davis a bust? And, you know, I'm trying to manage, you know, trying to keep him motivated and him not getting down, you know. And, you know, of course, too, being from L.A., you know, he's got friends out here saying, you know what, what are you doing? You'll be playing at SC or UCLA and you're riding the bench at Ohio State. You may not see the field. So, you know, those were those were two tough years for him to kind of go through. And, you know, how he, you know, I, I'm very proud of the way he handled that aspect of it. Uh, it's it's very exciting future to come because he, he was fantastic last year and it's it's only going to get better. So I I just thank you so much for, for all the time today. And uh, I this has been an absolute pleasure at a you know, not a great great time in our history so it's it, it's nice to to brighten the day and i hope i hope this brightens some other folks days because i know there's a bunch of people like me out there who who love those movies and love hearing those stories well thank you you know it, it's been fun and it was a fun ride in fact you know uh, some of my friends used to always call me king of the sports movies because i had done so many of them and uh it was a great ride, and sometimes you know, I think back on how lucky I was to have the opportunity to do it, so it, it's been fun. Remember, you also helped take the ship back from Tommy Lee Jones. Don't forget that. It's exactly. I, yes, yes, I saved the world. 
<laughs> That's the show. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, on Friday, we go back to our movie rewatch series. Andy Staple Show goes to the movies. I think we're out of college football movies. Well, we're not out of them, but we're not going to do all of them. We're going to high school. That's right. We're going to West Canaan, Texas. Varsity Blues is our next movie. We'll hear about that on Friday, but on Monday, I'll be back with a round of Dear Andy Live on tape, but not really on tape because we don't use tape. I promise we'll come up with a name for that segment at some point, but that's what we're doing on Monday. We'll talk to you then.